Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mike Perry, and I'm here with Brett Jones. Brett, how is everything in the Berg these days, my friend? Yeah, you know, everything's fine. You know, kind of late spring, but uh, yeah, doing some yard work and getting getting things taken care of. It's, uh, you know, things are, things are moving along as they tend to do. Nice. Yin's getting any good weather? Oh, you like that? That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was a little... little is that, is that did uh, i use it did there. i use it correctly you did you All did right. that's uh that's that's, that's impressive yen yen's got yen's nailed that one um, and if you come if you come yeah, and visit it's... we'll be we'll be going to a bar with the car <laughs> <laughs> and our cockies park the card harvard yard um that's it yeah we pittsburgh did win most annoying accent in the country here a couple years ago so uh Got that going for us. So the the true Pittsburghese uh, accent is uh, something to behold. Do you uh, totally off topic and big surprise? Where did that <clears throat> come, where did that slang come from? Was do you know the history on it by any chance? To the best of my understanding, um, as I put on my Cliff Clavin hat and, uh, and <laughs> yeah, I and, love it. I love. It. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Do you need a drink? Do you need a beer? <laughs> well, well, actually, um, so. A lot of Scotch Irish um, influence in in Pittsburgh, uh, in in addition to uh, Polish, and um, so, to the best of my knowledge, it's like this weird kind of dialectal thing that happened uh, in between all of those different ethnic groups, uh, kind of mishmashed into this thing called Pittsburghese. Um, so yeah, downtown, um, Yen's gonna go downtown, drink some irons, and that um there's sure and, and i would do that i would i would do that i don't even know what you said but i'm going to volunteer <laughs> it's true. like the it's Somebody like the, the bubbla you know some yeah, people yeah. call it a, a water fountain it's a bubbla it's a bubbla um yeah there's de definitely some uh some uniqueness you guys can can look it up uh do do some google foo and and find um you know the uh pittsburghese uh references Absolutely. And we will do that, but not today. Today, we're going to talk about the windmill and we're not talking about energy conservation. We're talking about the kettlebell windmill and we're going to talk about some, some movement prerequisites. Um, we're going to talk about individual variation, um, looking for asymmetries because that's a, one of those exercises where, man, if you have some asymmetries in the hips, T-spine, shoulder, you're going to find it and, uh, and, and much more. So, um, Brett, Windmills. When did you first learn about the windmill, my friend? Um, <clears throat> back in 2002, um, at the uh, my first event, uh, first certification with Pavel. Uh, um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that uh, it's a unique lift uh, with a little bit of yoga background. If you're thinking it, it looks similar to a trick 
Kanasana or a triangle pose. And it's not, um, from a traditional weightlifting perspective, it's really weird. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not something that, that, that we see typically done, uh, in the gym. And, um, you know, I started doing it, um, as a way to, you know, keep my hips open, work some shoulder stability, uh, midsection strength. Um, there, there's a lot of great benefits to the windmill. And unfortunately it's something that's kind of, it ebbs and flows in and out of my program. Um, and every time I put it back in, I'm like, yeah, you should not take this out of your program. And then for, <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, it ebbs out of my program again and I got to pull it back in. So it's, um, it's, it's really an interesting lift. And for, for those of us who have a tendency, uh, I, I do my swing squats, everything with a pretty generous outturn because of my hip structure. So I have to do something to stretch my hip in, in the other direction. And the windmill is just an excellent way to have that nice loaded uh, mobility or flexibility drill uh, that, that really helps keep the hips open. Absolutely. And, um, you know, my first introduction to the windmill is, is, is I saw some variations of it, like, you know, early on and Googling and whatever on YouTube. But I remember I was, uh, I was getting ready for my level two and I reached out to you and, and, uh, you taught me how to do the windmill. And it was, it was pretty awesome because I went and, uh, and they were like, man, that's really good. And I was like, well, cause I was taught by someone that knows what they're doing. So that always helps. And, uh, and, and, and it was one of those things I will say that when we talk about individual variation, um, for me, um, it was really, really important to, um, dive into the movement aspect and the subtleties of it because, um, you know, my right hip from playing soccer, I've, uh, torn my labrum. I've fractured the acetabulum. I've, uh, I've, I've chewed it up pretty good. And, um, there are certain positions that just don't feel right. So I had to really kind of find the individual positions as far as, you know, degree of internal or external hip rotation and, and how to really set everything up. But, um, but I think when Brett taught it to me, it was nice because it was really, really like a step-by-step -step approach. And, uh, it, it enabled me to go, okay, like step one, let's find a position and let's kind of groove that and see if I can find an optimal position. And then we layered something on top of it. And it was really nice because not only did it work, but it, it's also a fantastic way to introduce skill, right? You start to layer these, these pieces together, just like you get up and then eventually you've got the entire thing. So, you know, one of the first things that, that, um, you know, Brett instructed with me was, all right, we're going to get into the position. He, he kind of knew my background. You're just going to start with your feet, you know, directly underneath you. And you're going to 45 left, or you're going to 45, right. And that's how you start. And that 45 degree angle is, is essentially how you set up your hinge. Now, you know, within that 45 degree, is it always going to be 45 degrees? No, it's going to be a great starting point. Some people it's going to be a little bit more. Some people it's going to be a little bit less. It's like the arm in the relationship to, uh, with the arm and the getup, right? If you have longer arms, you you may have to go up towards 60, 70 degrees in the getup from your torso. And it's, it's kind of the same thing when it comes to the windmill, you have to, um, you have to find the position that works. And, um, you know, for me, it was just finding that and understanding how to perform that diagonal type hinge at that 45, but also making sure that I am getting a true clean hip hinge and I'm not having any type of, you know, medial or lateral movement, but I'm really sitting back in a nice straight line to load that posterior chain, but also making sure in the case, if it's a right-sided windmill in which my 45 degree angles would be to the left, the majority of my body weight would be into my rear leg, into my right leg in order to perform uh, the windmill properly. So there's also 
a component of the angle and weight distribution. How much weight is going to go into what lower extremity? Because if you have too much weight in the lead foot, then you don't have a posterior weight shift and it completely changes things. So I think setting up and just working on that initial groove, that sort of diagonal hip hinge at that, that 45 is, is something that people don't spend enough time at. Definitely. <clears throat> so one of the biggest mistakes that I see when, uh, you know, on the, the social medias and I'm seeing maybe a, an instance of somebody performing the windmill uh, is how they get into that initial stance position. Um, I, I have an article on Strong First website, uh, Windmill 101, that that does uh, a pretty good job of walking people through some of the details of the, of the windmill. And what I emphasize there is that when you set the feet, even if we start with the feet fairly straight ahead, I'm going to shift and pivot the feet into that respective 45 degree angle. Uh, if the bell is going to be in my right hand, then my feet are pointing to the left. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to shift and pivot, not step, step. And a lot of people step, step to get into their feet in position. And what they end up doing is squaring up again. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah, exactly. they, they don't maintain the 45 degree angle. <clears throat> and I, over the years, I've had you know, a variety of, of uh, suggestions on how to how to get people in position for the windmill. And most of them end up putting somebody in a fairly square position. Uh, so definitely make sure that you're starting there. And then to your point, you're going to need to make some adjustments from there. Um, some somebody, some 45 degree angle, both feet works out fantastic. Some that uh, same side leg as arm that has the kettlebell overhead. Um, and we'll talk about the low windmill here in a minute, which is a great entry point for a mm -hmm. lot of folks. Um, so, you know, that foot may end up not being at 45 degrees, it could be 35. You know, there's, there's going to be uh, room for uh, variation. To your point of the weight shift, um, the when you set the feet properly, you end up looking like a triangle that's tilted slightly one direction. Mm -hmm. So at, if, we, if we're just focusing on the lower body. So the first move is to actually shift that uh, triangle so that it's that rear leg gets vertical. And that weight shift, because the, the big mistake I see in the weight shift, well, goes to two extremes. One, there's no weight shift uh, and people lean towards that front foot. Two, People treat it like a good morning where the only emphasis is how far back they can push that hip. And that turns it into primarily like a hamstring stretch because um, now we're doing kind of a, a, a good morning uh, with, with some angle to it. And that's not the windmill. <clears throat> the wind, the shift and lift of the windmill um, should actually get that rear same stance leg as the bell overhead. It gets that vertical maybe slightly past vertical, but we're really focused towards vertical. And now I want to continue to lift that hip as I go into that, um, into that windmill. And I should be getting some piriformis and hip stretching way more than hamstring stretching. And I think a lot of people, as they start getting into their windmill and they, they initially over shift and turn it into a good morning, they feel their hamstrings like, Oh, this is a great hamstring stretch. Not really what I'm after uh, in in the windmill. So the shift and lift that occurs um, is is really unique. 
And which leads to kind of the third thing that I've started to see is if somebody hasn't turned it into a good morning, they start turning it into a side bend. They shift the hip laterally instead of sticking with that 45 degree angle where they, you, I, I kind of think of it as I fall into this 45 degree box that I've made and um, I stay inside the box. Help, I'm in a box. And so the, uh, I'm actually, the torso is actually coming forward at a 45 degree angle uh, on the same angle as the feet, not shifting the hips laterally and side bending the torso. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's some things, there's some aspects of the windmill there that, that I think are just, they're just really easy to, to kind of fall into. And it all starts from understanding the foot position and stance. We also don't want to make the stance too wide. Um, hip width-ish is, uh, mm-hmm. is a, is a good starting point. Um, and we want to understand that weight shift that we're going to push back 45 degrees into that hip till it's vertical and then we're going to focus on lifting that hip not turning it into a good morning or side bend yeah absolutely i think the wide stance is one thing that people uh, approach the windmill um with and, and they they get really lost because when you have a really really wide stance it's really hard to get that weight shift because you just have too wide of a base to begin with so if anything you're probably going to be better better off starting with your feet directly underneath you or maybe even a little bit closer and then go into your 45s and then go into you know the the random positions and the not random but go into the positions that we know that you're supposed to be going in so i would definitely err on you know definitely stack stack your joints and and maybe even a little bit more narrow and then you can go from there so um and and one thing that i that I experienced myself very, very early on was um, I could do a really good windmill on my right side where I'm sitting into my right hip, but trying to do it on my opposing side just felt like it felt like my body had never done that before. It was one of the most unfamiliar positions. Um, And look, before we, you know, talk about sort of left side and right side stuff, you're always going to do, not always, but most people are always going to do better on their dominant side. It's just always going to feel more comfortable you're just going to have better control. It means you've been there. It means your nervous system and your body is acclimated to that. I mean, look at like throwing with your right hand versus your left hand. If you try to throw with your left hand, it's always going to feel odd. And it's the same thing when you do uh, things on your non-dominant side, specifically in a windmill. And 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 I'm not sure exactly why so many people have um, a tough time sort of shifting into one versus the other. It's probably due to the fact that they just never shift and they've never done that movement before. And it's a brand new movement. So everything's going to feel a little bit foreign, but man, I tell you what, when I started to windmill to my left side, where I'm starting in a parallel stance, I go to my 45s to my right and I, and I hip hinge back. When I started to do that, I was like, man, I couldn't tell where my weight distribution was. I couldn't tell like how much weight I had into my back leg. So I had to spend a ton of time. I'm I'm talking like double the time on my left side to get a nice clean hinge because I'm also someone that's had some back issues over the years. And man, if I start trying to force a movement pattern onto my body and, and it doesn't like it, I'm going to be dealing with a sore back for a little bit. So I had to spend a lot of extra time on my left side trying to find that sweet spot. And it took a little bit of time because sometimes you don't know if it was the right thing or the wrong thing until the next day. So don't be afraid to spend a little bit of time and see if you can feel and be aware of any glaring asymmetries or man, maybe you just need more practice on one side because that, that whole 45 degree hinge in both directions that sets the tone for the rest of the windmill. 
Definitely. And I, I think that uh, the progression for me is body weight. So just kind of rehearsing the windmill with no load and not even worrying about putting the arm overhead initially. I actually like, uh, I have uh, fingertips of one hand in the crease of my hip and the fingertips of my other hand on the back of my hip, kind of a 45 degree angle, like I'm shooting an arrow through my hip. And I'll rehearse, even today, I will rehearse the windmill before I pick up a bell. So I set my stance, I get my hands in the hinge and in the, the back of the hip at 45. And I just experiment around. I just feel, what a, what's this feel like today? Because I have mileage at the hip and the back, just as similar to, to, to you, I, I want to rehearse that movement a few times. And I'll do that. And then I'll pick the weight up and then I'll do my loaded uh, windmill. So I, and then I'll repeat that process on the, on the other side. So if I, if it's with a new student, definitely body weight windmill, let's, let's figure out what this feels like. Let's not even worry about putting the arm overhead yet. Once I've rehearsed it body weight wise, and I have an idea of where I'm going with this drill, the low windmill is the first windmill I want people to see. So if we go back to our, uh, I've shifted my feet, shift and pivot and my feet. So they're pointed to the left. And I'm going to do a, a quote, right side windmill. So I'm going to put my right arm overhead. Well, the bell is on the ground beside my left foot. <clears throat> so now I do my hinge looking at the hand that's uh, above me. And now I come down and get that low uh, bell um, that, that's on the ground. Then I've got to sniff and embrace. And then I want to feel like I'm, it's a, it's a, 45 degree hip extension, um, dare I say, hip hinge swing sort of uh, motion. It's a back and but forth. Don't motion. hear what I'm not saying. Yeah, don't hear what I'm not saying. This isn't a power move. You do <laughs> not swing your windmills. It is a slow motion grind. But you inhale, you brace, you push down through the ground, and you get pulled back up uh, to that fully extended position. And then on the way down. Uh, since you have the load in that front hand and you're look, you know, you're going to have this torso rotation that happens. That's thoracic, not lumbar, big misinterpretation. Uh, you do the shift and lift into the hip. You have this thoracic rotation that happens. And the, if you just let it happen, the torso is going to do the right thing. Uh, if you don't overthink it and try and force it one direction or the other. So that weight in that low hand is going to pull pull you, guide you into a better windmill. <clears throat> and I think a lot of people skip spending time at the low windmill. And I think it's a mistake. Yeah. I mean, and again, because what people want to go to the last step, because they think that's the coolest thing. It's like in the getup, it's like, give me, what do we do with the kettlebell? It's like, you don't even need the kettlebell right now. You don't even know what to do. And I'm going to give you, you want more weight. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> but but no, I, and I love the fact that a lot of people, you'll be able to feel the load a little bit. A lot of the times when it comes to, um, let's say you just, you know, you have a tight posterior chain and, and you need a little bit more oomph, a little bit more load, that low windmill, it may be just what you need to allow you to sit into your hip a little bit more. And, and that extra, you know, uh, sort of, uh, input into the system might be exactly what you're looking for. Um, but again, it's a nice way 
it's that you can hinge back and forth. And when you said ballistic windmill, or you said like, it's not a windmill swing. I just had like a, a, a visualization of someone doing ballistic windmills. And it was, it was the most <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> if there was like some AI program that could like put what was going on in my brain onto like some animated thing, it would be pretty entertaining, but <laughs> we do not have that. But yeah, so don't do ballistic windmills. Um, and if you do, don't tag us in it because no one wants to see that. So um exactly. So let okay. So we've 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 learned how to hinge. We've we've understood the weight distribution. We've found the individual foot position. We know what the low windmill feels like because we've got that. And and the next step is um adding the uh I guess we'll call it the high windmill <laughs> with with something overhead. Now, you know, this is one of those things where um again, feedback is important. If you do have the prerequisite mobility, this shouldn't be hard for you, but a lot of people with this deep hinge and with the T-spine rotation, it can be a little bit tough. Um, this is an opportunity to go for a light bell, or you can do the old sneaker drill, just like you teach in the getup, right? It's just, it's just about feedback, but I would not grab something heavy and just test it out and see how it goes. Because a lot of the times you're going to load the shoulder in a way that it's not really used to. And um, because of that, your body needs a little bit of time to get acclimated to it. So, um, you know, I, I definitely would recommend going with a fist and, and getting into that sort of hinge position and just trying to stay vertical with the arm. But as soon as you feel comfortable with that, just go do a light kettlebell and go nice and slow. And, and again, kind of play around with the positions and get acclimated to it and then go to the opposing side and, and see how it feels. And then, you know, rinse and repeat. But I, I think the exploration piece is something that, it's okay to spend a lot more time on. And, and, and I would even argue, we can probably talk about a whole other, the importance of that stuff in another podcast, but um, don't be afraid to spend time learning and not just training. <laughs> you have to learn before you can train adequately. And I think that's one thing people really need to get and understand about this stuff is it's okay to just experiment and see how your body responds. I'm not saying to be a moron, but spend some time in the positions, learn, like that's how you learn, explore the space. Just like, you know, with the cowbell and uh, don't fear the reaper with um, what's his face? Will Ferrell, right? Explore the space, well, explore the space, do the and same you, thing with the windmill. And you can't forget uh, Christopher Walken uh, being there. And uh, Got a the prescription is more cowbell. It is. Um, so the, once you take the bell overhead and you're doing the high windmill, um, there is a really unique moment where you go from this overhead lockout position and as the torso begins to fall or move into that 45 degree channel uh there is a rotation because i'm going from a vertical position to a horizontal position mm -hmm. if we think about the the t position that's happening at the arms that moment is interesting for folks and we glide through those transitions in, in the process of doing the get up, right? But not in the same fashion. So to your point of take time to learn, be cautious, go slow. This is definitely the time for all of that because this is a unique move. So there's some shoulder stability and, uh, and, and a function that gets trained here that's really unique. And how you go from that vertical position into that horizontal position and then settle back into that fully overhead position as you finish the windmill. That's a that's a unique shoulder moment, and uh, it's it's really great for shoulder stability. It's it's really 
uh, a unique move. And now that we've got the load overhead, uh, what we what you should feel in the low windmill uh, is the beginnings of this uh, midsection training, the obliques, uh, mainly pulling you up. That feeling that 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 midsection got involved in pulling you up. Well, now you're loaded from the top on it's out on the end of the lever. It's uh, it's like putting an orange on a toothpick. Um, Mike Myers reference there. It's like putting it. an orange on the, on the end of a toothpick, right? It's heavy out on that side. So as you hinge into that 45 degree windmill position loaded in that top arm, that load is way extended out on your torso. So now the effect on the obliques, the midsection, uh, the, the low back musculatures is really amplified. And and you then have to pull yourself back up out of the hole uh, in order to do this. Uh, so there's a lot happening. Uh, there's that unique shoulder moment and there's that unique um, midsection training. We don't use the uh, the that other word that people use for midsection uh, training. Uh, Aberdabbers is okay. So if we want to talk about the effect that this has on, on the Aberdabbers, then I'm, I'm good for that conversation. Um, so which once you've mastered and, and you're good at the army high windmill, I think a missed opportunity that people, uh, don't use a lot is the two kettlebell windmill where now I've got the kettlebell overhead and I've got the kettlebell in a low position and I perform my windmill down to the second bell on the ground and come up with the, uh, double load. Uh, this is how you would perform a two hands anyhow if you were doing the bent press and and picking up the the low weight. And the windmill is how you set the foundation for learning the bent press. So if you have aspirations of, of bent pressing and you haven't spent time on the windmill, you skip to step. Um, so it's like a system. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's like a system. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, so you know, as far as coaching. All right. And, and let's, let's sort of, let's talk about kind of the, a little bit of the do's and don'ts. Um, first of all, depth and range of motion is not the most important thing. Okay. So I think a lot of people think they do a windmill and they have to immediately try to touch the bell with the floor or touch their hand to the floor. And, um, that's all going to depend on, honestly, I would say stuff like this is definitely more genetically based than sort of training based because some people can just go into a deep, deep hinge and, and, uh, if they have, you know, very, very flexible hips, it's going to be a lot easier for them to do that as well. And, and I often, I often see actually females doing windmills a lot deeper than they need to. And they're just going as low as possible. And again, I'm not saying you're going to blow your back up, but just, just ask yourself what, why are you choosing to do that exercise and why are you choosing that range of motion? And then you can kind of go from there. But I think for men, a lot of the times this is a hard position to get into. So I think uh, for men, especially just watch your depth. And, and just like if you are a tall individual, or even if you're an, in, you're an individual that can't pull a deadlift from the ground safely, bring the floor to you. This is when you can start um, a kettlebell in a box and you can do the, the, the low windmill from a box and you can do the high windmill from a box and you can progress it the same way. So spend a little bit of time doing that and just figuring it out. And, and I think you're going to be fine. But, uh, you know, I, I think just pay attention to that. Uh, I think don't rush 
to get into using a load. This can be something that you can throw in, into someone's active recovery in between swings, right? Or, or something else within a workout. So there's plenty of ways to practice this windmill without having to actually have a dedicated practice. I mean, you could go ahead and, you know, do your mobility work and then do some get-ups. And then maybe if you're going to be doing some iron cardio before that, you can do, you know, a handful of uh, windmills before that. And then you can bookend it, do it the same thing at the end, but you can kind of grease the group with those new movements. And it's a really nice way to acquire a skill, but in a non-fatiguing fashion. So it's one of those things that I really, really like to, to spend a little bit more time on. And then I would just say, lastly, um, it will expose some shoulder mobility and T-spine mobility restrictions. If you go to dive into this exercise and you go right to the high windmill, um, you are going to find it's going to be really tough to get into that overhead position because boy, does it expose your lack of mobility. If you try to do that with a load right out of the gate, cause it, it will, it'll light you up. Ask me how I know. I mean, I've, I've been the guy, all of this advice that I'm giving you is because I'm a moron and <laughs> I learned the hard way. So take my advice on this. Lessons learned hardest are learned best. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the, key in on one thing there uh or maybe it'll probably end up being a couple things who knows it, it, it always is <laughs> um we don't want to laterally flex the back so while there is a torso rotation that occurs in order to create the scapular positions and stabilize the weight um and we want to hinge through the hip uh we do not want to side bend or move through the spine and this is what you're talking about as far as people just going too far their their perception is I need to I need to do X during my my windmill. Uh, you go as far as you can without flexing the spine, and that's that's a key point. And if you can't feel it, then you need to film yourself, or you need to have somebody watching you, and make sure that you're not uh, doing that. Um, I I have a history. Uh, one of the things my lower back does not appreciate is rotation, and I know five different people on the internet right now just said, Brett said rotation of the back's not good. And I said, rotation of my back does not go well. And rotation at the lumbar spine is kind of funny anyway. We're talking one, maybe two degrees at each level with maybe a little bit more uh, at the uh, um, L1, L, um, T12, L1. Um, uh, it's not a lot of movement. It's it's no. uh, over, the, over the course of five vertebrae, you're talking about a rotation of five to seven degrees that's hard to measure much less see much less yeah it's anyway sorry we'll, we'll do the whole lumbar the, the spine movement thing you on, almost on, had on me going podcast. on a whole talk about the shape of the facets and how it's not made never mind brett it was gonna <laughs> it was gonna be really gonna, really good but we're, we're gonna, gonna do, do that, that another time we're gonna always do uh, our podcast with uh fake skeletons and we're just gonna talk about all the dysfunction in this world. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, so key point, key point, don't laterally flex the spine uh, yes. and don't try to go too deep. And if, and then to your point on programming, this is what I would refer to as a spice, not a main dish. Um, this is where we sprinkle in a little bit of windmill, uh, either cause we're trying to target something for the shoulder. We're trying to open up the hips. Um, we're trying to do the, the, the opposite of allowing the foot out turn during our, our swings and, and uh, hip hinging and squatting. Uh, so, you know, I will do one to two sets of three reps each side, 
Yep. Um, I think a great way to get them in there is is actually kind of superset them with your windmill, uh, with your windmill, super, superset your windmill with your getup. So you do your getup, do a set of windmills, do your getup, do a set of windmills. Uh, but again, two to three, two to three reps on each side. This isn't something that you need to be doing uh, a ton of. Um, it's you need enough of it. You don't need a lot of it um, as most spices uh, when you're cooking. Exactly. And uh, on that note, I think I think that's pretty good on the windmill. Um, anyways, uh, you, you've listened to us enough uh, ramble about something that we weren't sure that we could cover in, in this amount of time, but we did. We thought it was going to be actually really short, but we like normal, we, we, we went off tangent and did what we had to do, but anywho, um, appreciate everybody listening. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, do us a huge favor and please give us a positive review in whatever platform you're listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.